Bing, bang, boom. It's coin talk in a professional studio. So echo free here. It's a little ominous. Right now, <laughs> I feel like uh, like I, I'm a little bit worried that we're going to lose our indie cred being yeah. a professional studio where you don't have you know a massive echo on my side and then like people doing construction in the background. It's not good for our like um, donate. I feel like we'll get more donations if we like evince terrible sound. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like I'm doing it in a Starbucks bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's not a, um, file that away. That's not a bad future idea. Podcast live from a Starbucks bathroom. <laughs> yeah. They've got Wi-Fi and all. Of them. Yeah, in downtown Brooklyn. All right, hold on. Pause for a second here because I realized I did not enter the show. This show is Coin Talk. It's about Bitcoin crashes, Bitcoin bear markets, and other forms of sadness. It's brought to you by Medium. Medium has so much great writing about crypto. You're going to want to become a member. It's five bucks a month, a mere five bucks a month, and it unlocks all kinds of stuff and supports writers. Thanks to everyone at Medium. Here's the show. This episode of Coin Talk was taped Tuesday, March 26 at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $3,907. Jay, this is, uh, usually I, we having to invent things to talk about. Today I've actually been, like, looking forward to talking about some of these topics all week. I'm looking forward to the show again. Oh, that's good, because usually, yeah. I mean, I don't think that we would say that we don't look forward to talking about Well, crypto. usually I'm like, what happened this week? Oh, I forgot everything, yeah. and I have to like go back through Coindesk and Breaker Magazine and remember like the topics of the week. In this case, I actually wanted to talk about this last week, and we couldn't fit it in, but I think it's a developing story that we're going to hear more about, and there's like already more on it since then, which is the exchanges are all broke. Yeah. Maybe not broke, but on a broke path. Yeah, it it really does feel like the things that people would suspect are happening, that this past week the curtain was pulled back on all of them and we all saw that, like, you know, they were just kind of people shuffling a very small amount of money around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like an MC Escher drawing where you just have think people running all to different places and trying to pay out people. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a little distressing. Well, I think generally we've attributed a lot of the uh, broke assness of exchanges to either fraud or hacking, and that's been the historical narrative of exchanges. But okay, I, I want to uh, uh, call out things that we've gotten wrong on previous episodes sure, so that we can correct the record. So I think early on I w- I said, you know, if I could sit at any of these chairs at the table, I would want to be a uh, miner or an exchange because these people are making money when Bitcoin's high. They're making money when Bitcoin's low. They're just printing money, basically. Yep. They're uh, bear market proof. That was totally wrong and a stupid thing to think. Um, and what I didn't realize was that when Bitcoin is low, not only has everyone lost their shirt, but no one's really buying or selling. There's no volume. There's no real need for an exchange in a situation like this. Like exchanges thrive on new customers and existing customers trading. And it seems like neither of those things are really happening right now. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's look back and think about other types of exchanges where the thing that you said is true, where the price and the public interest doesn't really affect the margins. So that is probably true in some way in the stock market, right? Like where a place like E-Trade uh, yeah. that charges some commission per trade 
if the stock market tanks and people are selling their stocks, they still get that commission. And then some people will be coming back in when it's low to try and like catch a wave up, right? Like so, uh, you would assume that given that that is true, and I'm sure that there is some fluctuation in different in, in like outcome and and in volume in the stock market. I don't think that it would be anywhere close to what has happened in crypto, though. Well, there's I think there's a huge fundamental difference about like an e-trade stock kind of thing, and it maybe speaks to the difference between the historical legacy financial system and the uh, new world order here, which is um, people have had a pretty strong track record of not really abandoning the stock market. People abandon specific stocks and people move from more risky investments to safer investments, but generally people are parking their money somewhere in the e-trade universe. Sure, because you say, like, either you say, wow, General Electric is dead, you know? However, people will always need a microwave and people will always watch NBC or whatever, you know? And uh, this is a low price and I want to buy back in. Or you say, hey, the next General Electric is, like, Amazon or something like that, and Amazon has uh, basically made everybody else capitulate, so I'm going to buy Amazon. Like, there's always some narrative that you can follow. Yep. And Bitcoin, that was true for a little while, right? Because like, yep. you could say, uh, man, Bitcoin's price is kind of static and this Ethereum thing is going crazy and I kind of like smart contracts, so I'm going to buy Ethereum. Oh, wow, Ripple is 12 cents, I'm going to buy Ripple. You know, yep. um, Someone's loss is someone else's gain. Sure, yeah. but what doesn't happen in the stock market really, outside of massive, massive crashes, is where the whole thing gets wiped out and everyone loses faith in everything. Yeah. You know, and there's nowhere to go. I mean, that may have happened. I don't, I'm not a historian. This maybe happened in like 1929 or something that people pulled a lot of money just out of the system. Generally, the narrative we hear in America, at least, is that there's more money trying to get into the system than the system even can really deal with. People are inventing these new forms of investments, uh, tranches of real estate like loans, all of these crazy financial instruments. Literally, because they people will buy anything within this market. I thought that that would be true about crypto, but I think right now we're experiencing the true crypto winter, which is the no one gives a shit winter, yeah. where no one's buying, no new people are showing up, and anyone who's an existing customer is like, eh, I'm just going to hold. So check, I, check, uh, check, 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 check. Mt. Gox started as a, as we all know, it started as a exchange of trade magic the gathering cards right yes, which will also be our pivot with this show at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> okay so there are a lot of people who were into magic the gathering but its real peak i would say was probably when we were in high school in the late 90s early 2000s i think that was the peak of like mainstream acceptance yeah, sure. and then after that it became like ga- like gamers i agree it. but yeah. like in terms of like yeah. random people playing and buying yeah packs, my that parents was were aware of magic the yeah Gathering like you could go to like point. target and buy magic cards for example they were reaching baseball cards and, and cultural exactly. ubiquity sure uh, baseball cards is a great example too where it's just like at some point nobody gave a shit anymore yeah except know? people who are like professional dealers yeah and that's what and i think that's sort of what crypto is facing right now in terms of this where it's not like there are a bunch of people who are still trying to think about ways to make money in the crypto space and they're speculating on something new. It's just that nobody nobody cares anymore, which is not good for this podcast. However, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's okay. We we can uh, we can downgrade. And our of course, own bag. of course, the exchanges are going to get hurt by that. Because it's not we, our fault. It's not our fault. No, although our, we did 
start this podcast right at the beginning of the of the winter. Yeah, I mean, sometimes our friend Ledger Status talks about bottom things. Yeah. You know, like oh, this is what happens at the bottom. I feel like us starting this podcast is top things. Top things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thought I have about this really is that what crypto needs to do to get out of this is show some sort of value. And it's not about the public getting really excited about it. You only really need a handful of people to get excited about it to try at least keep it constant so it doesn't completely disappear. Um, And I think that that will probably happen. But at this point, I think most people, if you ask people on the street who maybe read three articles about crypto, they would say that like it's a fad that's over now and it turned out to be totally worthless. I don't think they would be like, oh, you know, it got pumped up too much and then it crashed and uh, it was too much too soon. And there was, you know, like they, they just wouldn't have that level of explanation about it. And that's what I think is bad. Well, I see it more through the user experience lens, which is where I see a lot of the stuff, which is it doesn't seem like it can grow until it has some sort of a user experience that's fun and useful and interesting and viral. And, sure, and that's, what, people that's bring, what I'm saying in terms same, of some, same worth, thing, yeah. some worth, you know? The interesting thing here is that there's a bunch of competing forces that are like all heating up right now that you would actually think would bring the uh, Bitcoin kettle to a simmer. Um, payments, right? Like we have, uh, did you watch the Apple um, like hoo-ha yesterday? No. I, well, I don't know. Why did I even ask that? <laughs> Why would I have watch Have you that? ever watched an Apple keynote? No. 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 I, watch a, I watched a lot. I, I, my viewing habits have like really, really, really degenerated into uh, into a strange place. I like watch people play. You're just watching people play Star Do Valley all day. Not Star Do Valley, but yeah, I just watch people play video games all day on Twitch. Right. So while you were watching Twitch, I was watching the <laughs> Apple keynote. I was definitely watching Twitch while the Apple keynote was going on. And they announced three things. They announced a subscription news service, which we should just not talk about because it'll just turn on our terrible media critic hats. I, didn't, I don't know anything about it. a subscription it. video game service that actually seems pretty fun and maybe would like get rid of some of these like, free-to-play Apple games. TV? Uh, it's through iOS, so it'll be on like everything. Okay. Um, called Apple Arcade, and they announced a payments system in which you'll be able to actually have a credit card with Apple Pay. Um, and I think it's backed by Goldman Sachs. What is Apple going to do about like how are they going to play? How are they going to do these games? Because you can't really play first-person shooters on Macs because the there, graphics it, it's a totally it's like a totally it's not like um servicing the like hardcore PC gaming market. It's for like casual like iPhone games. And but those things are generally free. That's they're competing against the freemium free to play market. Oh, good luck. Okay. Well I mean I guess they could just ah, look I would like it. They if, could if they would just have like a bunch out. of exclusive cool games I could play on my phone and I don't have to like deal with like, oh you hit the point where you have to pay more money to make it go faster. Um I think they're trying to short the market for those kind of games because they're terrible and people are like not happy about them yeah i guess i don't know i mean you know as someone who is deeply ensconced in the pc gaming world yep uh like the the uh, like blizzard like tried to make overwatch which is a massive massive game they tried to make it for the apple and they couldn't like they're just like these computers. I, this is not even for it. like the the desktop piece. This is like uh, these are like it's called Apple Arcade. It's for like arcade games. Why would you pay a ten dollar monthly fee for that though? Well, they haven't they haven't announced the price yet. 
Oh, I'd pay three dollars a month for it. Uh, what I think is more likely is you'd pay like ten or twenty dollars a month for their like TV, game, and oh, music they service. It. They, uh, that's where I see it going. Oh, so their innovation is to basically just be like the cable company, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So their payments thing. I'm not going to say their payments thing is like revolutionary, but like clearly everyone is circling around. Maybe you don't need a bank account. Maybe you don't need a credit card. What yeah. could it all leave in your phone? And that's kind of where we thought. Bitcoin was going to check in, and I do think that Bitcoin and Lightning will be competitors there, but that version of Bitcoin is the least dependent on exchanges. That is the version of Bitcoin that eventually I think the exchanges just fall by the wayside. Like In the future where you're frictionlessly using Bitcoin on your phone, I don't think you log on to like what used to be known as GDAX and put in like bid orders and that kind of thing. I think your Bitcoin comes to you a lot more like it does in the Cash app, which doesn't really feel like an exchange. Okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, you and I have gotten some tips. Thank you very much. Oh, our... shout-outs to the tippers yeah. out there. Tip me, right? You um, have literally hundreds of thousands of Satoshis. <laughs> <laughs> it's about $25, so thank you. Yeah. Um, so we have, that's what we have. It was very easy to get. Well, right. it wasn't that easy because I gave the wrong address out on the okay, show but last week. But st- <laughs> either way, we like outside of our own incompetence, like it's not a hard system. Can I give the correct address now? Yes. It's yeah. tippin t i p p i n dot me slash at Coin Talk Show. Okay, great. Send us a tip. Do we get any questions? I think there's some messages in okay. the message field. I'll read those. Okay, so that wasn't hard, right? And you and I know how to do a few things in crypto. How do you think the Bitcoin community will educate the public on these types of things and that they're not that hard anymore? Like that that it can work, you know? Like how, what is the best way for them to put that message out to the public? Because right now, I think this is your view as a crypto moderate, that that type of stuff is really important mm-hmm. and that they should get off some of the messaging about like the Bitcoin standard and hyper Bitcoinization and you know like uh, Ludwig von Mises, like how how would you All do? All taxes it? are slavery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Madeleine Albright uh, would not exist if Bitcoin happened. Um, how how would you do it? How, like, what, what do you think the first step is here? Well, I think the first step is to create an experience that's so desirable that people are sharing it with other people, and people are like, "Oh, I want to go to that party," and it's like oh, you have to do this one little thing, but it's actually really simple. You know, um, I think creating something where you have to have it, right? Th- that was how the iPhone felt at a certain point in time where I was like, there's things you could only Venmo. do on the iPhone. Venmo, right? Like, I remember the first like six months where my friends had Venmo, and this was back in the time when I would go to dinner with them, you know, and it made... <laughs> <laughs> it made it a lot easier. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not really like a split the check guy. I'm always just like, I'll pick it up or you pick it up. Uh, but, you know, that's a choice. And sure. some people split the check and it's fine. But it made it, it made it so much easier to do all that stuff. And people were treating it like a fun social network. And everyone encounters the situation eventually where they need to like settle up some money. Even if you like pick up the check, usually it's, I don't know, like you rent a house on Airbnb or something like that. Like, yeah, it comes you, up. Or you bet $200 on Tottenham. <laughs> Jay <laughs> demands that you bet him in a pitch-and-putt golf game. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so it comes up, right? And I and I don't know what that killer feature is for Bitcoin. Tipping.me 
certainly cool. Me and you were talking about doing a Patreon last week. I saw some companies doing like crypto Patreons. That's like yeah. one I could see potentially working, you know, like a cyclical payment or something like that. But I think it's more likely that that you will get an app for some other purpose and it will have a crypto tab that you want to unlock. That's how the Cash App feels right now. You can use the Cash App great with US dollars, but it also has a Bitcoin wallet inside it. And basically, it's nothing to move money from the U.S. dollar side to the Bitcoin side. So, like, okay, the fun of crypto so far is all locked in memes and speculation, right? So, like, what? this is be totally spitballing here, but, like, what if you have one of these things where you can choose to pay with crypto or you can choose to pay with U.S. dollars, but it's all pegged to the U.S. dollar? You know, and so you have like a Bitcoin wallet and you have to make the choice between whether or not to pay with Bitcoin or to play, pay with a U.S. dollar. Sure. And like you can be like, wow, I got a real discount back then, you know, because I paid with crypto or like uh, I don't want to pay with crypto because I think it's going to go up like that. That that's like one step. Right. Like uh, I, I just like outside of that, I just don't know what we're talking about because uh like you and I have discussed this to death, but like you know, like video game purchasing systems, like it doesn't, it, it it's just swapping out money for crypto. You know, it's not something that that deals with the fun of crypto. So what is, what is something that you think could actually trigger that? Well, I do think that that's a little bit of U.S. dollar privilege there, which is like U.S. dollar privilege. <laughs> Aaron, don't turn this into a social justice warrior podcast. Which like. is to say. <laughs> The U.S. dollar is like one of the best currencies out there. So the incentive for us to go off the U.S. dollar is low. It's like accepted all over the world pretty easily. It's easy to trade. Uh, it's not subject to hyperinflation. In some ways, I think the bigger decision isn't what you use to spend your money, but it's what you use to save your money. And I think that mass Bitcoinization ha will happen when people start looking at their savings accounts and going, eh, I'm going to go half in Bitcoin and half in my native currency. So why right? would they? Well, what, they that's a, that's because a Bitcoin huge step. is safer. Oh, you mean like uh, in other countries? In other countries, yeah, yeah, and and you know, people living within within America who have roots in multiple countries. Someone who is a immigrant who still has ties to their native country, right? How, okay. And is sending money back home to their family. Right, that's a great use case for Bitcoin. Maybe for them the dollar's fine, but Bitcoin makes more sense to send home because their home currency is not stable. What is the? Um, and it's also anonymous. In what's the stability taxes. it needs to reach for that to be true? That's. I mean, these are really hard questions. Like, I, like I, I feel like almost every point there's a counterpoint. Like the counterpoint of if yeah. that happens bitcoin's gonna go way up well then you shouldn't spend bitcoin like some of these weird contradictions almost feel like they're maybe cooked into the design of bitcoin i think that uh so joe wiesenthal our friend um at bloomberg did an interview with a guy and he was essentially arguing against bitcoin because it's uh corruption free and censorship proof form of currency and he said that's bad you know yep. I still think that the pathway is not necessarily through fun, but through paranoia or like, or justified paranoia about yeah. privacy. And that if you right now could tell me or you, right, 
that instead of using American Express and having every single transaction tracked, um, instead and where our credit card company knows where we are at all parts of the world, where our phone knows where we are yep. at all parts of the world, if we could swap that out for an Ethereum-based phone and you know, like a cryptocurrency payment system that was not traceable, what percentage of your money would you put into that? I would think about putting a lot of my money into something like that. I mean, when I when you think about these alternatives, it's like, oh, well, Venmo, Apple, Goldman Sachs, it's all pay. the same fucking thing. It's like it all, it all, it's all like you. You're not going to get out of the American technological industrial complex. Like I'm going to tell you right now, thing. I have a cash card for uh, Square Cash. I have an Amazon credit card. And I have Apple Pay, which will soon be an Apple credit card. Good OPSEC. So what, <laughs> what I'm seeing out there is that the big technology companies realize that anonymous mobile payments are like the next frontier. It's the next product for... Can you believe... I, I thought my title for the last episode, Mark Toshi Zuckermoto... I thought I would get some laughs with that. Nothing, just crickets. It's pretty funny. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I, th- I thought maybe I uh, maybe my uh, radar was off on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's realizing that, like you know, the last thing to steal was Snapchat. The next thing to steal is uh, Cacao Talk with crypto payments or um, you know a WhatsApp payment layer or whatever. And all of that stuff, I take it seriously. Like I think we made clear in the last episode that we actually take Facebook coin pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, I think th- that the emerging decision, since people spend all of their money online already, is going to be like, do you want to do that in Apple, Amazon, Facebook world, or do you want to do it in some sort of an autonomous way? And I'm, I don't believe that some other startup is going to come up and undermine Apple, Amazon, and Google, they would just buy it. Like Venmo is bought by PayPal. Like anyone who gets like a real user base is going to get bought. WhatsApp was bought by Facebook. Yeah. So, and especially in the payment space where you can just tack it on an existing product, I just don't see the way out of this like surveillance panopticon without something that's not a company. Yeah. No, and that's, that's, that's what, I think that's what they need to focus on. I mean, they being like the, you know, decentralized, whatever. Okay, so where does that leave the exchanges, though? I mean, like, we have... Okay, I was looking at Coinbase. I'm sorry if these figures are wrong, but I read that Coinbase, is, at its low during this winter, was is doing 6% of the volume it did at the top. So... Coinbase was talking about an IPO definitely less than a year ago. Or people were talking about an IPO. Uh, For people who are familiar with the, like, uh, growth dynamics of startup, uh, going from 100% to 6% (laughs) is not a strong move directly before you IPO. Do you think, like, even Napster is down 94% from the peak? I mean, all the altcoins are, so it makes sense. (laughs) No, Uh, I mean, like, Napster, the music service. Oh, I think it's down for them. All right, but, like, like, I would not be surprised if there is still, like, 1% 1% of people who are still downloading MP3s in some foreign country. This is a contradiction also between Bitcoin orthodoxy, which is don't panic and hodl, and the needs of being a growth startup where they're like, panic, don't hodl, just do something, buy, yeah, sell, yeah, yeah. come on Coinbase. Bithum, our favorite Korean exchange, just laid off 50% of its staff. Kraken, laid off a bunch of their staff. I can also just sense a, like a feeling of boredom from the exchanges. Like 
Jesse Powell from Kraken, who we've criticized on this show, and Brian Armstrong from Coinbase, who we've criticized on this show, both of them were getting like deep into the analytics of the Quadriga fraud. Oh, they're both like like I think Je- uh, Jesse Powell did like a six part podcast series about it, talking about it, and they've both like extended significant resources into research researching it. I think Jesse all, Powell offered a hundred grand as like a bounty for something. That sounds to me like two bored people who are not about to like IPO. They're they're all pivoting their companies to Bitcoin podcast companies. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, stay off our corner. Yeah, or buy CoinDeck. Yeah. <laughs> so like. I guess what I'm feeling like is I don't know if there's a a route out for this and I don't know as much about the mining side because it's shadowier and you don't have to like publicize when you lay people off of like a Chinese Bitcoin mining factory. But um, I do know the Bitmain canceled its IPO and is reconsidering. Uh, All of these feel like companies that are themselves top things. Okay, well, all right. Here's, Here's my counter to that. They were all preparing to go to IPO, right? Yeah. And obviously you can't go to IPO in this market. No. Um, Most of their employees were there to IPO, right? Like, so they have huge marketing teams. They have, like, I bet they had a guy, like, making videos for their Twitter feed and stuff like that, right? Sure. They have, like, new business people who are just on the payroll to help them IPO. Yep. They have to, I mean, I have some experience with this with Vice, you know, when Vice was trying to sell and they built a cable channel, you know, and it wasn't because they thought that the cable channel was a great idea. It's an asset that they hired people to do that they could sell, go to Disney and be like, hey, we have real estate in the cable market, you know, and we have this, we have these shows. Like that's, that's what they were all doing. And, and probably IPO. a lot of engineers who are scaling the exchanges yes, exactly. to, to handle massive traffic, but which those, they, they fa- failed when they actually had that traffic. Yeah, and those but those people at least serve some function on the actual exchange, right? Sure. Like they Although have, they're trying to do things that they don't need to do anymore because <laughs> yeah, they're not yeah, getting exactly. that kind of traffic like, on the exchange. <laughs> like, man, uh, if we ever hit like you yeah. know, X capacity again, be like, I don't think this could be a problem. Yeah. Uh, good luck in the job market. You know, you're a great employee. Like, that's not... All those people are gone now, I bet that's what it is. And I, I don't know if that means that the exchanges themselves are financially struggling or if they just don't need to have those people on board. Um, now, does that fundamentally change your point? No, obviously not. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if the layoffs are a big indication. I don't think that the layoffs mean that, like, they're about to close up shop. Um, but the 6% of the volume... No, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it, it feels a little bit to me like um, like 6%. someone was running like a nightclub, you know? And they were like, man, this place used to be packed. What's wrong? Is like the music not as good or the drinks not as good? And it's just like people aren't nightclubbing. I bet, like, I bet MySpace is down about that, don't you think? Down 94%. Probably more than that. You think? Yeah, probably more than that, I would think. From the top? From its peak? Well, from its peak, yeah. But still, I mean, like, like it, it is that type of fall. Well, look, startups are based on this idea of hockey stick growth, where, like, you start snowballing, you hit a point where you're just, like, growing exponentially. Yeah. And they have to be based on how they raise money. Because yeah. you can't live forever on VC money. Yeah, You have to IPO or make money or do something eventually. And I think that some of those dynamics work both directions, which is like once the hockey growth stick growth stops, the minute you're not growing that fast, you're falling 
very quickly. What do you think? Uh, you know more about this world than I do. Not uh, not uh, not really, but I do purport to. Okay. <laughs> You're the one that we say knows more about this world yeah, than yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, how do you think Coinbase investors are feeling right now? I think that they would project everything is good. Um, no, there's I, no problem. How the, do I think they their, really in feel? their hearts? I think that they still feel like they have a pretty good hand. Insofar as I think they're more or less like Bitcoin hodlers. Look, a Bitcoin hodler believes that Bitcoin will be a world-changing invention and will reach new highs, will go above $20,000. And if either of those things happen, Coinbase investors are fine. It feels more to me like exchanges are a really rocky business and maybe could become antiquated fairly easily. I just look at like what Coinbase does or what BitHum does. It's a massive regulatory challenge. It's a bit of an engineering challenge, but it's not particularly unique or defendable. You know what I mean? Like people are like, oh, Bitcoin. They can just fork and now there's 15 Bitcoins. Like, well, you can also have like 15 exchanges. And a lot of the work that these exchanges are doing being the first people out and being at the tip of the spear just makes it easier for someone else to go and clone them. Yeah. yeah. And do lower fees or no fees or make a better user experience. Binance is probably doing okay, though. Binance seems to be doing extremely well. Um, and I think Binance feels a little bit more modern in that it's like it's got this whole Binance coin, which is like top 20 coin now. I yeah, think. but they also like. You and I both were on Bittrex, which was the Binance before Binance, right? I'm still on it. Okay. Uh, and then we went on Binance. Yep. Um, I think I went on Binance way before you did. And I would just say from an experience as a user that <laughs> Bittrex sucked. Sucks. You know, if it sucked. I always was, I was like, what is this? You know, it, it feels like a website from 2007. I think that's why I like it. And uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your indie site. <laughs> it's much like, like, it's also why you like our podcast to sound like <laughs> Uh, but Binance was much more fun, you know, like there are more charts. There's, it felt more like you were on Wall Street in front of some Bloomberg terminal. And uh, they had more coins, more importantly. Yep. You know, like they had more relevant coins. The reason why I went on Binance was because everyone was talking about 0x and Bittrex just didn't have it. Yep. You know, and Binance had all the fun coins. And ZRX is on Bittrex now, just for any, any of you traders out sure. there. Um, do you think that what has happened essentially is that maybe instead of the exchange business being a fundamentally bad one, that it's just a winner-take-all thing and that I, Binance just won? I think that's definitely possible. Um, I don't think Binance just won. Like, I, I don't think Binance's position is that great. I look at like all the stuff that Coinbase was getting into when we started this show. Toshi. Remember Toshi? Yeah. Earn.com is one of their new ones where you can like earn crypto by learning about crypto. All oh of the, all of their forays into feud. Into, so he's really in, doing it then, because that was his idea when he launched Toshi was that like you could like earn cryptocurrency by taking classes at Khan Khan Academy, right? There's very very elementary steps towards these goals happening, and all of those goals feel like ways to get people into crypto who are not currently into crypto to seed people with a few coins without having them put in their hard-earned U.S. dollars. And generally, like, kind of ham-fisted attempts to up the new user base of Coinbase. And 
that might not have been a bad strategy. I don't think that feudalism was exactly the way to go with it. Like, I think they maybe had the right idea and the wrong implementation of that idea. The, the idea of getting new people, uh, the classic super airdrop festival question, is the real question. I just think all the things they, they think people would be into, like learning about crypto and getting paid, and it's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Come the fuck on. This is insulting. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, you're you insulting new users with Earn.com right now. It's embarrassing. Earn.com. Uh, I wonder how much that URL cost. Well, uh, Earn.com has already been like three different things also. Sure. Like, and and I, I think the only reason Earn.com is part of Coinbase is because they wanted to hire Balaji as part of their executive team, and he was like, you got to buy my fucking shit bags over here if you want to get me aboard. <laughs> But 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 in a larger sense, I just I, I don't see why new people need exchanges really. Like now that I'm using Square, I don't know why I need to use Coinbase. If you're not trading shit coins, if you're not trading shit coins, but Coinbase isn't really. I mean, they're making forays into the shit coin world. They're making but if you're, large steps into large the steps. Coin. But if you really want to trade shit coins right now, you do it on Binance. My here's my here's the tie up thing I'll say about all this, which is just that. If we were in the future that we talked about where people just have a certain amount of money parked in one cryptocurrency that's relatively stable, and let's say they're traveling abroad or they're going to, let's say, Las Vegas, and you know they don't want their wives or anyone to know how much money they're taking Purely out. hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 they, or they're on a family vacation and they don't want to bring their credit cards because they're afraid to put their debit card in, into an ATM there. You don't need to trade for that. You just buy it once. Yeah. You know, and that, you're right. I don't think you need these hyper exchanges where people are setting sell limit orders. And, and because the number of people who can really do that profitably and want to keep doing that because it's kind of boring and it takes up a lot of your time is very small. Like it's a small number of people. And when crypto was booming, it was a lot of people, but that period seems over. And I just don't ever think that that's going to happen again. Like, I don't see, I think the price of crypto will go up, but I don't think we're going to have this thing where people are trading like 40 different coins all day. You know, like, do you? I, I just have a hard time believing that that's ever going to come back. So, yeah, it feels like, like last year's fad or yeah. whatever. It's a little like the MySpace to Facebook transition. I do think people will be trading shit coins again, but it'll be like, under different colored lights and it won't be called shitcoin trading it'll be like a different yeah, take yeah, on they it they need to rebrand from shitcoin <laughs> well i do think that the idea of everyone going on exchanges look we had a great time on exchanges i learned a lot about actually i learned a lot about legacy markets by trading shitcoins and i'm it was probably not worth how much money i lost but it was not a terrible experience <laughs> i don't think everyone needs to undergo that experience in fact i think very few people need to i think Fundamentally, if you have your savings in an account, there's no reason you can't just say, hold 10% of my money in Bitcoin at all times and just let a fucking computer handle it. Trade advantageously for me. I, I, I guess I'm just thinking of, if I was running one of these places, that I would not care. Like, And this just goes to the exchange question. I would not try to build an exchange at all. You know, like the product I would try and build would be something that really ensures privacy. That's it. You know, like uh, like I would try and build Silk Road and, you know, try and make it actually secure. Not that I am not going to build a drug market, <laughs> but like something like that, you know, like where you could buy things 
like a Craigslist, for example, you know, and you just use crypto and, you know, like you could buy like a Nintendo Switch or you could buy magnetiles or you could you could buy like a keyboard if you wanted. And that, for people who listening who don't have small children, magnetiles are like the um, uh, high demand children's toy of last oh, they're year. they're great. They're great. Over the last five years, I think. I love how parents see every parent whose kids have magnetiles are like, my kid is a magnetile genius. My kid is an actual <laughs> magnetile genius, Aaron. <laughs> One of those people is Jay. <laughs> yeah. One of those people is not me because I don't have any magnetiles. You don't have magnetiles? No. Why? I, I, they, I thought they were all sold out. You can get the bootleg Picasso tiles. They're a lot cheaper and they're the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh, Bitcoin cash of the magnetile world. <laughs> okay, so like, do you remember that, I forget what this coin was, but there was a coin like this and it was in Asia and they had, as part of the website, you would go there and they would have a marketplace there. You know, something like that, I think those types of ideas are interesting, especially if you're doing international international transfers, you know, or in, or you're trying to buy something like, uh, you know how, like if you want to buy like a t-shirt in China or something like that, or if you want to buy like a bootleg jersey and it's in Korea or, or, or Thailand or something like that, like that, that makes sense to me. And I would actually probably use Bitcoin to do those transactions now, even though I, you know, kind of hate Bitcoin. I, I think I would rather do that than send my credit card all over the place, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, in general, I think we've always been like, if you could make all of your transactions anonymous, would you? Absolutely. Of course. Well, of course yeah. I what's would. The, Why would I not? What's the downside? <laughs> so we're kind of circling around that issue of anonymity, but I don't see anyone who wants, like, is there any please track me market out there? No. I think this is probably what's going to bring Ooh, Bitcoin. I have to a good the- idea. Go ahead. What's going to bring Bitcoin to the market is um, privacy. It's like the it's the biggest issue in technology right now, and I don't think it's a good position for the exchanges because the exchanges are basically the ones who are being tasked with enforcing non privacy. Right. Like and and so therefore, someone who does what the exchange does, but anonymously, and probably that means not even being a company. It probably means being some kind of a protocol some kind of an online local Bitcoins kind yeah. of thing. Um, that's like the next area that's interesting to me. It's also interesting to me how people work around these things without crypto. Like I was reading, um, shouts out to uh, my friend uh, Kevin Kelly and his Recommendo newsletter. And one of his, it's just, he gives recommendations. And one of them is when, this is good advice actually, when you're leaving a country and you have, he travels like all the time. He's like, you end up with, 20, 50 yep, bucks in yep, the local yeah, currency. Yeah. Where you go and you put it in like a shoebox at the end, and then you have yeah, all these. I've currencies. got a bag. He Zip was like bag filled with different currencies. At the airport, you go to the Starbucks and buy a Starbucks gift card with your leftover currency. They'll put an exact amount to the cent on a gift card, and then you just can use that gift card in America. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea. So it's like kind of like shape shift via Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, these kinds of little things are like billions of dollars are moving through these not literally starbucks gift cards but like little bits of currency here and there sending out like people are running into these problems all the time not us because we don't go anywhere or do anything but i think the world has a lot more problems with money than we than we might realize as uh new yorkers no i agree i agree and that's where i think like uh by the way my my the person i know who you uh needed to transfer out a lot of bitcoin he used local Bitcoin and it worked. 
Oh really? Yeah, and he saved a ton of money. What did he like meet? Where, where did they meet? In, I'm, I'm curious where. Yeah, they Vegas. just did it electronic. Oh, it was an electronic, yeah. like with a wire yeah. transfer. And it was like it was so much cheaper than doing it through Coinbase. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, he's not going to get a tax notice sent out from Coinbase. Um, I mean, I think he'll pay the taxes on it, but you know, like it's not a compelled thing like it is through Coinbase. So there, I just think that there's probably. As those types of things gain in reputation, like I, I agree with you. I don't understand why you would need the exchange at all, especially if the fees are so high. The idea I had, Aaron, and yeah, maybe we should move on after this. Is uh, like we should start like Ashley Madison with Monero, like untraceable currency. So we're like, it's like a sugar dad, an untraceable sugar daddy site, like. Uh, cheating husbands and wives <laughs> <laughs> so the problem with Ashley Madison obviously was they got act you know oh, right. oh, they had everyone's cred- yeah, yeah, cred- yeah, yeah, yeah. well look this is what Satoshi was talking about <laughs> in the first place when Satoshi like Satoshi did not say oh hyper bitcoinization is gonna cause people to put their national reserves into bitcoin he was like there's some dudes who don't want to put their credit cards into porn sites this is the use cases that <laughs> Satoshi was thinking about I don't know if that's because of a personal experience Satoshi had with a porn site and a credit card. We definitely have ascertained that um, uh, Satoshi was involved in some kind of a PayPal transaction going yeah, wrong. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. maybe he also like got overcharged by a porn site or that, something like that. That, by the like way, that. is the best uh, proof that Dorian Nakamoto was actually Satoshi Nakamoto. It's like you could picture that guy trying to order some model trades oh, off yeah. eBay and then getting really <laughs> I, I I don't know if the history of the internet is anything or is it and publishing also like basically every every form of media the people who will figure this out first are the porn vendors right like they'll be the ones to figure it out before anyone else I always think that the uh, porn thing is kind of like a dead end I just don't think that like porn is like always this like thing people think that people spend a lot of money online because people like look at a lot of porn but like Porn as a business is not a really very big thing. Yeah, except that a lot of the innovations on the internet did come from porn. Give me an example. Like basically the need to have video on the internet. <laughs> I mean, video compression yeah. is a is a good uh, a good example. Sure, and like what percentage of the internet is video at this point that uses video compression stuff that was made necessary by porn? Yeah. Okay. All right. I buy. I buy. I'm buying what you're selling. All right. Um. This is a topic that I feel like both of us kind of just shrug our shoulders, but it's been big this week, which is like all the stuff about fake volume on the exchanges. Um, Big study coming out that says basically that a lot of the historical volume and present day volume is in some ways faked, uh, manipulated, etc. A bunch of pushback from crypto people. I feel like this is like the like, least area of our expertise just because I'm like I just have to accept whatever someone tells me I can't like independently verify yeah, we don't volumes. have access to the books and we also don't know what we'd be looking at like where are they saying the fake volume was everywhere um well part of the fake vo- I mean there's all sorts of different forms of fake volume one of them is like just a UTXOs on the Bitcoin chain presently like how many transactions are happening and I guess there's an insinuation that um, like half of the transactions on the Bitcoin chain are actually this ledger was talking about this like this way to uh, secure the some shitcoin chains is that they use the Bitcoin chain and that creates transactions on the chain. Oh wow! 
um, wash trading can yeah. result in transactions on the chain. I don't think it's like a accusation that some exchange like itself is like particularly a fraud, um, but that like a huge, huge amount of quote unquote trading may be phantom. Oh, is that is that something we didn't expect though? Um, I would say you expected it because you've been like um, prices manipulated from the jump. So I guess you're experiencing some vindication right now. Uh, no, but I mean, I, I just like whether it's wash trading or money laundering or or shitcoin manipulation. Like, didn't like it, it, none of us ever thought that like there are a ton of real Bitcoin transactions happening, right? Well, here's why I think it matters. Um. Someone said in our chat, like, who cares if there's a bunch of fake trading? Does that really affect price? And uh, a TA person says it doesn't really affect tri- price if there's a bunch of fake trading. What I do think it affects is, and I'm sure someone is going to write in and say that it does affect price, and I wouldn't be able to talk about that. It fakes what the monthly active users of crypto as a whole is, um, and it fakes the idea that a bunch of people are participating yeah. in the ecosystem it's a super now, airdrop it's another version of the super yeah airdrop i think festival. it's like yeah it's it's super airdrop world in sure. a way it's it's a way to instead of um uh, put butts in seats it's a way to put like robot butts and robot <laughs> seats and there remains this lingering like if you were like what's your number one skepticism about crypto my number one skepticism is that there's actually only like 700 people who are involved in crypto and we're all just creating various wizard of oz facades to hide the fact that there's just not that many people into this shit yeah i have that fear too like uh, all those accounts with tons of followers that we used to follow and you know get really excited about when they would make trades a lot of them bought their followers, you know? Like, it, it just it just kind of feels like... At this point, nothing would surprise me in that, in that realm. It wouldn't surprise me if I walked into, like, Coinbase's offices and it was, like, Brian Armstrong playing ping pong with Satoshi Nakamoto and, like, there's nobody else. <laughs> that wouldn't there. surprise you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the companies are real. Like, I believe that Coinbase is really a company that employs a bunch of people and has made a bunch of money but what i see from like joe lubin at um consensus or really anyone who like has a big stake in crypto whether it's a big bag or a company that is itself riding the bag wave is everyone's like like come to the parties cardi's gonna be great blah 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 and i just i haven't seen the rush of people and also when there was a rush of people i think we're learning that a lot of that rush was a little bit fake so i'm going to be more skeptical next time there's a bull run that there's actually some sort of like a mass wave of people who are coming in to trade crypto we don't have any way to know it's like netflix it's like we used to have like when there's real volume that's like TV ratings, which yeah, are themselves that, bullshit. Like bullshit. Yeah. But like, we're even going like, or actually, maybe TV ratings are manipulated volume. And then I think eventually we're going to reach a Netflix state where it's just going to be like, no one knows anything. Yeah. No one knows how many people watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to keep listening to people like Coinbase who are always going to tell us, oh, there's a bunch of people who want in. Remember when, dude. Talk about top things. Remember when we were like thinking about selling some of our altcoin exchange accounts? Like you could actually get money because there were so many people coming in. 
who yeah. wanted to trade that there weren't enough user side. I remember I tried doing the math here where it was like how much because there you could sell your Bitrex account for like a reasonable amount of money. Yeah, but there was no way where that number was going to match the amount that I thought I was going to make from having a Bitrex account. <laughs> Good lord! So a lot of that stuff looks. I'm not going to say like there weren't a bunch of people into it during the bull run, but all of these bullshit metrics like work both ways where they're just establishing a baseline to fall from. And if some of that baseline was fake, we're just going to have further to fall. Yeah, I know. So why don't you sell? Um, all of this stuff I think is good for Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Do you trust though that you'll be, a, if, if there's like, let's say there's a uh, 1929 situation, right? In crypto? Yeah. It already happened. No, no, like let's and there's let's say there's like a huge run on the existing banks. Like people are trying to withdraw from exchanges, you Yeah, mean? like or just trying to get their Bitcoin off of it. Like, I think at this point Do you point, think you can do that? Like, the Bitcoin, do you fully trust that you can do that? No, I I don't fully trust that I can get it off. I fully trust that like in a pot stakes situation, I just have a bunch more I have more money in the pot to try to like on win on the rebound You're committed. yeah i'm committed it's like what i'm gonna like pull it out now i just i, I don't no, see but the even point pull your bitcoin out what's that like pull your bitcoin out oh oh like take them off the exchanges yeah yeah yeah, yeah i would do that sure put it on a hardware wallet yeah, yeah sure i mean i don't have that much money on any exchange i mean because none of it's worth very much anymore <laughs> but like you know uh, i have it like spread across a few places i've got some in like a uh, square some here, some there. I just, in general, feel like if the current crop of crypto companies die off and Bitcoin just remains a protocol, that is bullish for Bitcoin. You don't think so? No. Particularly because I think most of these companies have realized that uh, the future in which Bitcoin wins is not actually very good for them, <laughs> and they need like a like weird mix of like Ethereum-based shit coins to win for them to truly reach that. Uh, vaunted unicorn status sure so i guess i'm feeling like at least within the mix of crypto all the stuff is tipping the pool towards bitcoin yeah well i i think that's true i don't i don't see the contender right now okay should we read our tipping.me oh sure messages just to remind people uh it is tipping.me slash at coin talk right at coin talk show at Coin Talk Show, if you send us some small amount of Bitcoin, we don't really care how much it is, and uh, you write a good question, or if you want to write a funny comment, we will read send, it on the show. You can like show. send a shout out. Yeah. The way this works, you send us a uh, a tip. We read uh, this. This time you're getting a real show coverage. Probably this will be in the credits from now on. Um, that means even for a very very tiny one Satoshi donation, we will read. Your thing for fractions of a cent. Yeah, this is the power of micro tipping, Jay. Well, it's also the power of uh, of having a currency that is infinitely divisible. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it matters. Yeah, you could be like, oh, I don't want to send them one cent, but what if I send them a quarter? I mean, you cent? can imagine like a situation where we're playing like a first person shooter, and I like blast you. And like, you know, like when Sonic the Hedgehog, all of the like coins come out of him, those are each like one Satoshi. 
I like blast money out of you and then I just run around grabbing it. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> Having any amount of money on something does make it a lot more fun. Anytime there was like real money on the floor in a video game, I think that would be pretty fun. I still think the most fun I've ever had in my life, and this is sad for me to admit, was in calculus in high school playing Tonk, which was like a southern card game for like, 25 cents basically and if you had a good day you could go to the taco bell in our cafeteria at school and buy like uh two tacos like most fun i've ever had in my life so okay um here's the first message we got in our tip pool okay. craig wright is the real satoshi wow from, amazing that these from, are all trolls. from craig wright <laughs> <laughs> you only said what the title was once i don't know what they're talking about oh the book maybe you talked about that movie for over six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not. It's tipping.me, not tip.me, dumbass. Okay, well, that one's good. That, that one's, that one's yeah, fair. Yeah, I, accept, fair. I accept that. Yeah. I accept that. Uh, what does a fish say when it runs into a wall? Damn. Um, that one... Uh, that one's a large one, so I won't make fun of the bad. Make fun of like sending a bad. The joke's joke not to so us. bad. Yeah. Uh, cheers from Peter. Uh, this is for the biggest one. Our bi- this is this is this person put some serious Satoshi in. Okay. Here. And yes, we we don't announce the amounts, but we do give you more more coverage. And yeah, you send them a lot. I'll do a drum roll. Love your podcast, guys. Has Jay watched the Firefest documentary yet? No. Let me ask you another question. Yeah. Have you watched the Theranos documentary? I did watch Theranos. I broke my. I broke my. My, I guess my self-imposed edict of never watching anything that people talk about on Twitter. I, feel I did like watch it. The Theranos documentary confirmed our fundamental viewpoint of crypto, which is it's you're only in trouble if you actually try to make a product. It's much safer <laughs> to just talk about yeah. something forever. Maybe these aren't like really crypto things, but she did. I mean, she like, did. There was that whole part where. The blood is like yeah, exploding in the machine. Everywhere. It's like yeah, the yeah, grossest yeah. shit ever. Yeah. That shit was the. Um, she would have been better off doing what the Bloomberg terminal people did, and Absolutely. basically just making something that was a box. Like, she, like the the Edison basically looked, as far as I could tell, like a like a like an inkjet printer. You know? Yeah. And she could literally have just taken an inkjet printer and slapped <laughs> a sticker on that thing and just set it up and be like the future and it would have been the same thing you know and she could have just hired people that she knew or people off the street to pretend to be biologists like nobody would have noticed can i ask you what your read on something so they were like saying that for the first eight years jay is like picking a scab and is actually bleeding so, right now as yeah. we speak yeah. put, put that put that in your edison yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she said for the first eight years of theranos they were just doing pentagon contracts that's bullshit, right? I don't know because I know that they didn't have any technology. What were they doing for the Pentagon? I have an anecdote about this, uh, which is that I have a friend who is involved in construction work in the Bay Area. He, I remember when Theranos built that office, they were up for the bid, and he was telling us he was like, "Oh, this come like you know, he's just some guy, so it's not no. like he, I mean, she duped everybody, so it's not, I'm not saying he's dumb for being duped, no. but he was just Kissinger like, fell for it. Yeah, okay? he was like, <laughs> he also fell for a lot of other things. <laughs> like, uh, he was saying that this is a defense thing, and this yeah. was many, many years ago, 
And then he told us who was on the board, you know. And so at the beginning, that was the sell of it, was that it wasn't a bunch of other VC people in San Francisco, that it was real, you know, because it wasn't, it was like the Pentagon was involved in it. So I don't doubt that all of the contracts that she did were for future blood testing for, for DOD For stuff. eight years? Like, how, how, how do you keep doing future for eight years? Here's my read. During that whole time, they weren't doing anything. They were just going out and selling. And that was the glory years before they actually had to show the product. Well, they never had to show a product. Yeah, exactly. Do you know how much money, like, is floating around the DOD that they just, like, earmark for different things and then they, like, don't check up on? Like, that, it was it was a good mark for them. The, the final years of Theranos were the mistake, which was ever showing their hand. If they had just kept kicking the can down the line and been like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it was that stupid uh, Walgreens trial that broke them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, how long do you think they could have gotten away with that, though? I think that if they had managed it as a fraud, they could have gone a lot longer. It was the actual attempt to go legit, you know, is to, like, take the Corleone family totally legit and actually make a product. Because actually making a product is not, like, twice as hard as pulling off a fraud. It's, like, a hundred times as hard as pulling off a fraud. And, I mean, it's so crazy. Like, they weren't even close to pulling it off. They couldn't handle the volume of, like, two Walgreens in, in Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything about the documentary quality because, you know, good or bad, just because I didn't really have an opinion on it. A lot of graphics. The thing that I didn't quite understand was, people pointed this out on Twitter, so I'm not the first person to say it, but like, did you did you feel like this was an, like some sort of extraordinary story? Yes. Like, why? Um, just how extreme it was. Like, how much money they raised, how prestigious the board was and how far they went to try to keep the scam alive. I mean, that that's the part that's extraordinary to me. It's not that she raised a bunch of money under false pretenses. The part that's extraordinary to me is to commit multiple health-related felonies to try to keep the, the whole thing alive. Do you, okay, follow-up question. Yeah. Do you think there is a... When do you think Elizabeth Holmes started to realize that things were going bad. Never. Me too. I believe... I think she still thinks that the Edison is a good idea. and that. So like, did a bunch of that, the investors after they reviewed. <laughs> that oh. a bunch of like uh, meddling journalists destroyed it. You know? I, need to, I need to pause this entire show because I can't believe this. We need to send a shout out to Tim Draper's Bitcoin tie. Oh, yeah. Amazing. 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 Also amazing to be appearing in a movie about fraud. <laughs> Basically, still kind of saying I have a boner for this person while wearing a Bitcoin tie. The thing that struck me the most about Elizabeth Holmes wasn't. First of all, I actually think maybe I, I didn't really see any clear evidence that that was a fake voice. Like I know that there have been blog posts about it and stuff, but I just didn't see it. I was just like, it's, she just talks like that. That's just her voice, you know. You're definitely, you're definitely wrong. You think I'm wrong? You think but there's a bunch of a... videos of her talking before with a totally different voice? It's not that different. It's pretty different. All right, can I... And the other thing I'll just say is, okay, as someone who was on television for two years, who yeah. has a completely flat affect voice, Yeah, there is training that they make you do. Yes. And for women generally, and I think that this is, you know, like I do think it's sexist, they basically tell you that you have to make your voice deeper to be... So I think she just went to a voice coach, if nothing else. And that I, I don't think that it was some psychotic thing that she did. 
oh, I think I, I just think that that's basically what sucks about trying to be a woman in a position of authority is that they teach you how to do this voice and if you're bad at it you sound crazy you know yes. and some people are just good at it yeah I, I guess I would say there is something a little maybe not psychotic but a little diabolical about spending your time trying to change your voice and not trying to figure out how to do the blood testing that you are performing for <laughs> actual live patients in the present tense. Yeah. No, no. If you, can, if you have time for both, it's I'm great. Not, I'm not trying to sympathize with... I mean, I guess I have a little bit here, but like uh, the voicing did bother me as much as like the constant fraud and the obvious megalomania. So we've covered one crypto topic, which is... Don't ever try to actually make anything. That's when the whole thing comes down. We've covered that she actually believed this would succeed, which is, I would say, true of 90% plus of the crypto frauds that no. we've talked about on no the show. No way. You think that, like, the guy who started uh, Sumo Coin was like, maybe this will work? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Well, okay, maybe not the little ones, but, like, the the mid and top tier caps, I think that was the conclusion yeah, we came to with Tezos. Like, the Ethereum project they, yeah. they thought about it yeah like tezos, tezos yeah. still thinks they're going to succeed and those people are all i think we described them as the uh well-intentioned failures rather than the outright frauds she's like right on the line between well-intentioned failure and outright fraud much closer to the outright fraud I, think, part. I don't think she's on the line i think she's i think she's her whole turtleneck like everything is in the fucking fraud i think it's all pretty fraudy but i do think she deserves consideration for the well-intentioned failure category Simply because of what you said, I do think she thought she was gonna like pull it out in the end. Okay, so my I, this is my last question about this, uh, and then we do have to go. My job, in yeah. a lot of ways, as a journalist, is to size people up and figure out if they're lying to me, right? Yeah. And I think that of the journalism skills that I have, which are you know, I don't know, not great. Like that one, I'm actually pretty good at. If somebody who is 24 years old wearing Steve Jobs's fucking turtleneck walked into the room to me and I and was like I I'm going to revolutionize blood testing and I just lo- like why do these people all fall for it like she doesn't have a background that would prove that she can do any of this you know like it, did they just want to believe it like I I just don't understand and that was something that the documentary doesn't go into which I and I do think that's something that the book which is actually supposed to be quite good that I would like to read I think they do go into it, uh, um, but like, you know, it's like a it's like a cartoon character of like a fake inventor just coming in like wearing a black turtleneck and uh, has that voice. Like, why would you trust that person? I think you would trust that person because Silicon Valley had taught you that like that's what someone's gonna look like when they come in. Come in, wearing the exact same thing. It's like it's like if if it's not a it's not a classy area. Basketball GM and somebody came in dressed in a Michael Jordan like a full Michael Jordan Bulls uniform. It was like on the next Michael Jordan. I'd be like, you're insane. Please get out of my office. But I feel like the difference is like Paul Graham has talked about this extensively in Y Combinator. He's like, I'm looking for the next Mark Mark Zuckerberg. Like I think that people think that startups are a replicatable formula. Now, impersonating Steve Jobs is maybe the wrong person. No, but that's what I mean. If Mark Zuckerberg came into my office and he was wearing a hoodie and he was like a dick, you know? That's who most and, and of Silicon Valley's no, founders like, are. I'd be like, oh, that's fine. Yep. You know, like, I'm just saying that like wearing the exact same outfit as like, as Steve Jobs would be a red flag for me. My biggest takeaway from the whole thing, I think the most salient point of the whole thing is how that they talk about Quest Diagnostics in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quest Diagnostics is, 
is a terrible etiquette. It's they're like, like where they all do the group fuck you to quest diagnostics. Oh my god, that is like like how people like this is something we see in Bitcoin all the time. The problem is the Wall Street Journal. The problem is this: it's always someone from the outside who's trying to thwart us is the problem, not the fact that we can't actually deliver the thing that we were supposed to do. Yeah. And so whether it's Quest big, Diagnostics big, big blood or John Kerry Rue, the Wall Street Journal reporter, it's always someone else who is the problem. It's always that someone is trying to undermine you. It's always that there's an organized conspiracy against you. And that is a great breeding ground for a fraud because you can just write off any criticism as, oh, that was underhanded. I see the exact same things in Bitcoin right now. Anytime a mainstream journalist publishes something negative about crypto, it's because of some gigantic agenda against them. Well, that's it's like, how everything is post-Gamergate. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just like, basically the journalism now is just a cudgel to make excuses for your own failures. Like you just, if, if it's ever reported on, you just say it's, it's the journalists, you know, and it's it's like a very short step from, you know, like anti-Semitist or like old and or even current anti-Semitic thinking that's just like, oh, it's the global banking system or it's like the it's like the media because it's all controlled by Jews. You know, like it, it's just it's not so far from saying that. Uh, the only other thing that I had to say about the whole Theranos thing is that the only way where I understand it is as somebody who has to get their blood tested every six months and really should get it tested every three months. Quest Diagnostics, like, it sucks. Yeah, I'm sure. It absolutely sucks. Like, you go into, like, a random-ass office somewhere in Williamsburg or wherever. It's never convenient. And then you have to sit in this awful waiting room for, like, 40 minutes. And then some, you know, like, person who doesn't seem particularly well-trained takes your blood, and then that's it, you know? If you could go into a Walgreens and they just prick your finger and it worked, like, it would be great. It would make my life way easier. But... (laughs) <laughs> Everything know. about medicine in this country sucks. I know. My, the reason my, my, it sucks is because it's like unprofitable and it's like all fucking corrupted and frauded the fuck out. Like, my favorite part of it, of that documentary, I will say my favorite interview was like the guy just being like, I tried to tell her that this is against the laws of physics and she wouldn't <laughs> listen. <laughs> it was like, yeah, like it just like, it, the reason why Quest Diagnostics sucks as an experience for me is is everything around Quest Diagnostics. I don't mind having some of my blood taken out to fucking have it analyzed correctly, you know? And it's weird that, like, instead of trying to make that process better, she, like, tried to, like, revolutionize everything. And then that, I guess, is the Silicon Valley thinking, right? Yes. It's okay. And it's also okay to, like, sacrifice a few lambs along the way. That's also yeah. part of the... Okay. Um, we have a book club coming. Jay... Felt left out. He's joined the book club. <laughs> We're going to be taping next week, which gives you a week to pick up the book if you haven't. It's Radical Markets. This book is was so influential on Vitalik's thinking that he actually uh, threw a conference with the author of the book. It was last week in Detroit. It's where a lot of this reporting has come out about the sort of political objectives that uh, Vitalik is now pushing for. I've started reading the book. It's fascinating. Um, we're going to have on David Z. Morris, who was at that conference in Detroit, who's going to tell us about it, and we're going to talk about the book. Read along. Pick it up. Jay, you're going to be there, right? Yeah. You're going to read it? Okay. This episode of Coin Talk was taped Tuesday, March 26th at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
the Bitcoin price index was $3,907. That was Coin Talk. Uh, thanks very much to our editor, James Nicholson. Thanks to my co-host, Jake Kang. Thanks to everyone over at Medium. All of our episodes are at medium.com slash cointalk. That includes transcripts. Send us a tip. Tippin, T-I-P-P-I-N dot me slash at Cointalk Show. If you leave a tip, there's a little message field. We'll read it on the air. See you next week.